What up? Hold on, let me grab my book. Okay, now I'm ready. Hello, Jackie. <laughs> well, uh, this is Fascism Podcast. For those that are just tuning in, we gab and chat about stuff. We are two friends who just like have too much enthusiasm for everything we read in art and fashion and theory and culture. So we get together every two weeks, record an episode about it, you know, with our hot takes and also just regurgitating other people's information. And, you know, we try to have a good time. And like Hope says, we like to ignore everybody in our life solely to read, to engage. <laughs> we like to ruin relationships around us just so we can give you guys the hot, hot, <laughs> juicy stories that uh, our eyes land on. Yeah. If you like it, you should give it five stars. Tell your friends to listen to it, you know, so that we keep doing it. Because why would we keep doing it if we didn't get any... Feedback. Feedback. We live in a capitalist world, dude. We need we need some kind of five star system to keep us going. Right. Yeah. That's that's a, that's our currency for now. Exactly. So, but we appreciate you if you've already given you five stars. You're our heroes. Thank you. I dream about you guys at night. Yeah. With that, yeah. Jackie, what's trending for you? Okay. For I tried. To, I thought about this because I was just like, so much has happened to me. In the last two weeks, it's kind of hard to believe. So I was just like, what narrative should I pick? It's I would definitely say what's trending to me is a sense of hibernation. Like, there's definitely a, a new season upon us. I wouldn't say a sense of hibernation, but I would say a sense of change mm-hmm. is happening. I went to Portland to do my internship showcase, and I saw everybody in person. I'm a, I'm going to end my internships soon here in the next few weeks and I'll be shifting out of that into another role with my other job because I have another job that I do and the writer came with me to Portland we you know so that was interesting and a new development in our relationship yeah like your first your first getaway yeah yeah and it was only for a couple of days and then I don't know just like I feel like because of that, I experienced the highs and lows that I was familiar of with. I talked to Ho- Hope's hearing a lot of this again because we talked forever last night. So um, she's hearing a lot of stuff um, again. But anyways, it was like the highs and lows of like being back in school because I was like in an environment physically with people super excited to be there. And then I had a crash and burn later on because I was just like, everybody hates me. And then I kind of like realized some things through that that's like, my nervous system and what it's really like around those kind of situations. And I do want to be in more in those situations because I do love seeing a lot of people, but it, I need to understand that I am going to have a problem, probably a, I don't know. Post-party depression. Post-party depression situation happening. Yeah. And what else? There's just, I just feel like so much happened, but like maybe nothing happened. I mean, I just met up with a bunch of people I've never met in person before and we met in person. I think that is wild. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I've known for a while now, and I'm like, oh, now here you are in three-dimensional characteristics. Hope and I went out for her birthday last night, and that was, like, we were acting like we were, like, 21. (laughs) And by that, she means we got trashed. We got trashed. 
we met some new new folks. We danced like, oh my god, it was a lot of fun. But it was also just like I literally felt like I was twenty years old at the end of the night. I was like, who do I think I am? Yeah, dude, sign up for our Patreon if you want to know what drugs we did. <laughs> <laughs> just um, kidding. We continue to not have a Patreon yet. <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah, I don't know, just I'm developing friendships still, like, yeah, it just feels like I can't figure out what weather is going to be like, so I'm constantly like, today I wore long sleeves, as you can see, Hope, but no one else can, but, and it's hot outside, actually, so I was kind of like, what the, isn't it fall yet? So I'm just like, it's just a transition period for me where I'm, I'm sensing something new is happening are going to happen and my body's kind of I'm mentally physically I don't feel like no one is prepared but like it is it is I just can feel the sense of stress building Mm. up to something Mm. um because I hate change as as who likes it but it does feel like I'm waiting for some a ball to drop or something right now in my life because just so much I feel like is moving Yeah. yeah anyways yeah that is a lot it is a lot. It's not that I'm not enjoying it, though. I'm appreciative of, of all the stuff that's happening to me. But it's you just can't help. Like, traveling is so stressful in itself. Oh, and my that's, God. And that's like a physical change. It's a physical shift in place. And it's just never – it's never chill, even when you're having a good time. Like, and I was right. having a good time. It's like you're out of your routine. It's just like – yeah, I get sad for the relationships I have that can only – exist during travel scenarios now because it's like you just can't be normal and I'm not normal when I travel. it's like I'm fighting my body's every urge to like shut down because I'm just like right this is too much exactly exactly it's just like yeah I'm thinking about the nervous system a lot lately and just how much fight or flight I'm dealing with when I'm in those kind of such scenarios because you're like you don't you're also in your brain when you travel you're like well, you can't, this is a special time, so you right. can't ruin anything. So. Right. Because it's a memory. It's yeah. automatically a memory. Yeah. And so you're just like kind of having to like blow things off that you wouldn't normally blow off and like act like everything's good and totally. And, you know, buy things that you wouldn't buy. <laughs> yeah. A lot of money, a lot of spending money. Um, yeah. With that, what's trending with you, Hope? Definitely did not think about this beforehand, but I think what's trending for me is like the end of celebrations. Like I relate to what you're saying about like the season's changing. I've talked to a few people who feel the same way that I do, which is like summer is intoxicating in Seattle, especially since it's like the only sun we really get. But it's like this constant feeling of like FOMO, like not like fear of missing out hanging out with people like that something's going to happen without you but just fear of missing out on like sunshine and water and fun and it's just like we've been doing so much that when this trip to Oaxaca that we just took came up it felt like it didn't feel like oh finally I get a vacation after all this hard work it's like I just started a new job literally already I'm taking a week off have been like going camping and having friends in town and it just feels like it's been a constant celebration Mm -hmm. all summer long and then we had a good time in Oaxaca First, we were with my sister and her boyfriend, and then my mom and and my stepdad joined us. And so it was like a triple, what's it called? Like a triple date situation the whole time. And a lot of like group decisions, you know, because like we were in the city of Oaxaca trying to like decide what to do. It's just a lot. It's like you have to drink. You just like have to be drunk. Oh, yeah. But it was good. Nothing, no fights, nothing bad. And then we came back and it was my birthday and it just kind of felt like 
we've already celebrated so much. Like, do I really have any more celebrating in me? I didn't want to like corral a bunch of people. It's like, I think a weird thing with birthdays is sometimes that you, there's a pressure to like hang out with everyone, right. even when you normally don't. And I just didn't feel like putting groups of people together that don't normally hang out yeah. together. And I just wanted to like it to be an excuse to go get drunker than normal yeah. with the people I've been hanging out with lately. And so that was really fun. Yeah, I really liked the dress I wore. I don't have to wear a bra with it, and that just brings me so much joy. Yeah, and that's awesome. It's like so structured. I Back to the birthday thing, it's also just like that's what stresses me out. It's just like I don't want people to feel expected that they have to hang out with me on once a year. It's just like mm-hmm. – you don't have to and but like already now I'm noticing my nervous system like I said having everybody in the same space is too much for me not that I don't want it I do and I get so excited like I'm a little baby puppy and I just can't control myself but like the downfall of it all is so it's so like I'm on the verge of tears like I literally think everybody hates me it's just too much so I just avoid it at all costs yeah, but we are going to have another podcast party at some point, right? A hundred percent. But that's different because not everybody's like trying to like shower you and pay yeah. attention to you. Right. Yeah, you're not the focus of the gathering. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, we would be. We would be. But we would be like, people probably be like, what is this for? What, the, what is this party for? Yeah, seriously. And someone would be like, Hope's birthday. And I'd be like, <laughs> so that's what happened last podcast. Jackie was getting so mad. We had our <laughs> podcast launch party and everyone kept saying it was my birthday. <laughs> No, but actually last night was her birthday party and yeah. Ugh. We were just bad girls at the club. We went to an 80s night and like... We didn't dress 80s. But. We didn't dress 80s. Some people did, but I mean, I was complaining that when people dress 80s, they always do like the 80s workout version. It's like, why do people... People need to do some research. That's so true. It's well, that, so annoying And it is me. so annoying. I'm like, puffy sleeves is a big one. Like Yeah, shoulder pads, like, like big oversized like blazer suits. Yeah. Watch Heather's. Yeah. If you're going to dress 80s, watch Heather's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was it Beverly Hills 90210? I feel like that's very 80s and mm-hmm. like aesthetic style, but like a different kind of – Heather's is very – is a certain preppy. aesthetic. Yeah. But so is – Preppy was very in. Yeah. Think of Princess Diana. Yeah. That was like – what is it called? I know. If boomers are listening, they're yelling at us right now. What? It's a certain aesthetic. Yuppie. Yuppie? Yeah, that's what that was. That aesthetic was called. Oh, interesting. Just like being rich is the name of the aesthetic. Like a popped collar with the vest. Yeah. Oh. With the sweater vest. But anyways, I, I wore a dress out. Just a side note. This is a little funny tidbit. Uh, if people want to know what it's like going out with Hope and I, I think I take off at least one piece of clothing every time Hope and I go out. <laughs> and I wore a long like 90s dress over this like sheer top. And then underneath my sheer top was like tummy. What's it called? Like Oh, slick spanks? Basically, essentially a Spanx, but off-brand, um, but it was like a full body, not full body, but it was like shorts with like a tank top edition. And I took off the, the dress because it was getting too hot and I was just wearing this Spanx-ish outfit <laughs> with my see-through top and people kept giving me compliments. And then I went, and it was just funny to me because I wasn't wearing a real outfit, but I thought I was. And then I wore the dress like a scarf all night because I forgot that I had it around me and people were like, oh, nice scarf. That is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's like, it's like, you know what Coco Chanel says, like, 
before you go out, take one, take thing. one thing off and but, put it around your neck. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just like, it was just, I, it also proved to me that no one in Seattle has good style, except for that one sober dude that we were talking to. Anyways. You think because you thought your outfit was bad once you took off the dress on top? I don't think it looked bad, but I thought the, the scarf element of this, it wasn't an, it I wasn't at his peak, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think sometimes also when people see something like that they don't normally see, they have to comment on it, yeah. yeah. I mean, I looked fucked up. I felt like a little bit. I, I mean, I didn't see myself in the mirror, but I assumed that I I was wearing my dress around my neck, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I... I took so much Advil before I went to bed. It's just... <laughs> yeah, we're pretty... I mean, we're not... I don't feel hungover, which is a slight surprise. But anyways... Oh, yeah. And we never found... We never ate tots. I mean, we tried to go and... This is the... I argue that everything should stay open to four. Oh, we... It was too late for tots. Well, at this certain place, they just closed down at like... I think one... A.M.? Mm-hmm. We didn't even stay out that long. Well, because again, because like 2 a.m. is the... Yeah. I don't think we could have made it much longer. I I don't think y'all could have I could have stayed out I think for really? oh till the sand sunrise I could I, I felt it I but I wanted to be in solidarity with my girlfriends you know yeah well anyways well so today we're gonna talk about something that's been trending for almost a month now which is September uh, to celebrate the month of September slash because I just got back from vacation and Jackie's been really busy. We're doing an episode based on a film, the documentary, The September Issue, which was made in 2009. It documents the making of the 2007 September issue of Vogue. It's the biggest one they put out every year. It was directed by R.J. Cutler, who also directed The World According to Dick Cheney. Hmm. Yeah. That's actually kind of interesting, and I want to watch that. Yeah, I would watch it. I'm. Hold. Can we pause? Because I want to find my water. Okay. So the September issue is a movie about the September issue of, of Vogue, essentially, and like the build up to that. I I tried to do some like a Google search on why the September issue is such a pivotal part of Vogue, and it's like one of the quotes in the movie is that September is like January of fashion, which I was like. What? I guess it is when like New York Fashion Week is. Yeah, and it's for it's a new season. Okay, and I asked the writer and I were talking about this and he was like, Yep, yeah, fall is the biggest season for publishing. It has all the like holidays are coming up, you know, you're buying more kind of stuff like books and magazines at the time at some point. So it's just kind of well known. I think it's also with that later on top of the the fashion week of fashion um couture new york couture, like all that stuff coming out it's like or like paris fashion week couture whatever is happening the fall lines coming out that it's just like seems to be in line with like it just makes the most sense it's probably the most picked up issue well did you catch the statistic they said no one in ten women read the september issue which i don't personally believe maybe that was truer when this movie came out which was in 2009 by the way and boy oh boy can you tell <laughs> like the fashion that they're showing yeah and the flip phones and the yeah they had flip phones yeah i, I saw anna's phone in her lap and it looked like a flip phone there's it's no motorola flip phone it was a motorola really yeah wow 2009 yeah that yes we have flip phones i was 19 think about that yeah how old were you 
2009. Yeah. Yeah, 19, I guess. I did, I did not have an iPhone. Yeah, you, you had a flip phone probably. You had a probably a razor, to be quite honestly. <laughs> I I had a lot of different phones because I was always losing them. Same. Back in the day, you could just lose them and it, no, no big deal. Yeah, you could just like pick a different one up out of the gutter and just like take it to Verizon. And put your SIM card in and voila, that yeah. was it. Yeah. Okay, but something that I wanted to do a little bit of looking at the September issue was also look it through a lens of Foucault. <laughs> Which is bougie of us, I know, or not bougie, but like pretentious of us, maybe. But I thought my friend Miranda was talking about how one of her film classes and how that she watched a bunch of films through the lens of like self surveillance, um, the Pentagon. How do you Panopticon? I never say. So we're talking about Michel Foucault, the philosopher, and he had commentary on the Panopticon, which was like a prison, like a shape of a prison where the guard could see everyone standing from one place he could view everyone on the floor and it was supposed to show a certain level of discipline but the big thing being a reference to self-surveillance that we are our biggest sense of discipline wait explain that okay before i explain that though we're not experts by any means Uh, we watched a couple i've seen tiktoks i've i've read a little bit of referencing this and we watched some YouTube videos. So don't ask us, like, our knowledge, it comes short. But I, I still think this is a fun little experiment that we're doing. Yeah. I want you to explain that. And then I want you to give a really quick synopsis of how you see it relate to the movie. And then we can dive in from there. Okay. So I wrote down some notes. There was a good example that I might use of it. But Foucault basically said, like, interpolation was like the basis of this theory meaning that like how a person becomes integrated with like the state and like social norms the individual becomes like and an example they showed was like a common handshake it's like an ideology ingrained into the rest it's like how ideology is ingrained into the rest of the community it's like through small rituals that we connect with normal behavior, basically. And and there's like a lot of focus on pre and post-industrial living and how post-industrial living is focused on like scientizing, like making, identifying and and examining um, our bodies in a way that um, loses the sense of um, randomness and like poetic, like he, he, Foucault focused on sex originally and like how there's been a science of sex, just kind of like naming parts instead of making sex like organic and fun and fun, like pushing boundaries and having fun with it. It's more about understanding the scientific process, the anatomy. Yeah. The like, yeah. And that, that kind of just goes into like, he also did research on the history of madness. It's just like, again, it's more focusing on culture and like the individual and how we have normalized, like, what we view as normal behavior, why we view normal behavior, uh, has been altered really since post-industrialism. And the psychological norms started to become more evaluated in post-industrialism. When I was looking into it, it was like, he was talking about how in the past, like, people who were crazy or mad or whatever were able to, like, live alongside, quote-unquote, normal people, and they were just kind of like, oh, they're mystic, they're they're weird, but, like, that's their thing, and, like, we accept them in society. They just, like, have a slightly different role or whatever, whereas then it became medicalized where it was, like, they have to be institutionalized, fixed, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, an example, because Foucault was also homosexual, 
And I think he was really into this because, like, he grew up kind of, like, self-harming and suicidal. And it turned out it's probably because he was suppressing his homosexuality. Anyways, um, homosexuality became known as, like, a a psychological disorder. And, of course, it shifted over time. And I don't think it's like that. It's still, in some worlds, transness is considered a disorder. That's all fucked up in its own way. But, yeah, so, like, how we view norms has been on the way that we prescribe like these medical uh, mental behaviors. And basically the panopticon is an example of us self-surveilling to fit into these norms that we have prescribed. So like being a homosexual, you couldn't like, for example, you wouldn't want to show homosexual tendencies when it was prescribed as a disorder. So when you say that we're self-surveilling, you mean that we're altering our behavior because we feel we're being watched. Yes. And it's in a source of optimizing society. Like the, the purpose is to like make everything kind of work at its best in a capital way to make capital. Like we function better as workers when we've, we know what a normal behavior is versus non-normal behavior. And even if people aren't watching us directly, we know that we need to behave in a certain way. Well, and so like in the prison example, it's like they have a one-way mirror. So the prisoners don't ever know if they're being watched. Like the guard who stands in the middle can see all of them from one position, like, but they still have to like turn around. Like they can't physically watch every single person at the exact same moment, but it's like the prisoners never know if they're being watched or not. Therefore, they're always being watched. And so then like, how does that translate into to our lives outside of prisons like you're just talking about like literal surveillance like because things are being filmed all the time we just never know yeah and we have like when we see people with severe mental illness which we have described as mental illness we say that is not normal that is uncomfortable that is irregular Mm -hmm. and therefore we know what normal behavior is It's, it's basically othering this example so and we are consistently structuring ourselves to be involved in the larger um, societal norms and we're the biggest influencers of that essentially who us as like our our own selves and it's through this i guess big brainwashing again this is a hard concept that i'm trying to i, I don't want to sound like an idiot but it's just essentially the idea is like you act better when um you think you're being watched right And so is the way that you're viewing the September issue through this that like Anna Wintour was on her best behavior? Good question. I'm also looking at at how media has an influence on our culture of like what is normal. Like what is fashion? Fashion's interesting because it's not, it's not actually fit within our norms. And she even kind of intros with like, it's scary. People don't understand it. So it's people think it's scary. But in pre-industrial life, culture was fashion. And now we're, I think, because we're so capital driven, and as you'll see through Vogue, it's like she is becoming an influencer of like what is in and what is out. Therefore, we're internalizing that and kind of understanding as like what is acceptable and what is not fashion wise. Yeah, I mean, it seems like in the past, different cultures had different ways of dressing and it was just like known and understood and it didn't change every second. So people could just like confidently wear clothes and know what those clothes were saying to the world. Whereas like, I feel like fashion is scary because of people like Anna Wintour who are exactly making it so that like there's a thousand ways to be wrong. Right. And I think there's also just like 
there's a professional way to dress that fits in, in and I think I think what what she's actually saying it's scary because it's not professional because it's it's so bourgeois and out of like people don't have to have the social norm rules because this is for the upper class salon and that's why fashion is so kind of interesting because it's allowed to be. But I'm also trying to look at like how does me- media influence us as a, as a sense of self surveillance? Essentially, it's it's reinforcing the ideas that we have around norms. And I feel like Vogue was the most powerful push of self surveillance and how like models looked and how I think eating disorders is an example of self surveillance. You know, so like what they're printing in their magazine becomes what we view as like normal. Exactly. I mean, we're caught up in this power situation of, and the media is obviously a huge power source and we're going to correct ourselves to stay on the good side of media, essentially. Like we as like just general people? Just a general public, but like as an, on an individual level, we're all, we're all collectively, individually self-surveillancing ourselves. So we're all that, so we're collected in understanding of each other's like language that we're showing. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is hard no i think it's making sense okay and i i wanted to look at that movie through not only like them pushing out a media source to the individual but again to the collective or whatever but also through anna and grace and all everybody's kind of way of dealing with actually being watched as well yeah and yeah, you can tell there is certain self-surveillances around the cameras, but also like different people in the movie that they're talking to. Yeah. I did like when they broke kind of like that wall where they would talk to the camera people and like... Again, I, I think Grace Coddington is a, probably really problematic in a lot of ways because she's just an older, rich, white woman. But I love her in this movie, in this film. She does really shine. Yeah, someone commented on one of our TikToks and brought up... She has like like racist dolls. I can't remember what they're called, but it's like something weird that she collects. Yeah. I didn't like verify that or anything, but yeah, she does really shine in this movie. I also wanted to bring up this one last point about a uh, collective understanding of what norms are. Like we have institutions and services and correctional facilities that help correct erratic behaviors. So it's like we just don't even see or notice it because it's so normal. I, I keep on saying normal. I don't know what else the word I can use, but it's, it's just like we see these facilities as providing help. But really, it's just like enforcing our cultural norms. Exactly. Yeah. And then we now have the ability to judge the difference, you know? Right. Yeah. And one thing I was reading was like by institutionalizing people and you same with like putting people in prison, you remove that violence out of the public eye. So like in the past, like people would be publicly executed. People would be publicly punished. And so the public could like decide to a degree, like if they agreed with it, they like you know, and maybe like revolt in response. But by hiding these people out of public view, it's just like not something that we see and get to react to. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Fun stuff on a Sunday. <laughs> okay, now getting into the movie. Um, so it enters with Anna Wintour and she goes, they feel scared of, or frightened by fashion. They put it down because they don't understand it. And that was kind of what I was talking about with a sense of norm and, and exceptions. And it's like, does she understand fashion? Her fashion in this movie uh, was horrendous. Horrendous. Yeah. I didn't boring. like one outfit. I don't know why she's making decisions. It's because she's scary. It's really weird. I guess, I mean, 
she's there are some decisions she's made that have been that have really served Vogue like they bring up like putting celebrities on the cover but it's like it's not her fashion sense yeah and it's like why does she know so much about photo like she's really opinionated about how the photos look she likes everything to be bright and cheery and it's like yeah why why because she's actually has no personal aesthetic that's good. I I mean, in my – and she doesn't have a diverse sense of aesthetic, which I think is also problematic. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like Grace so much. She really likes the ugliness sometimes. She likes the abnormal. And that's why she's a genius. Mm-hmm. But also probably why she's not editor, you know, mm. of chief editor. It's because I think people that have that position now – are just focused on making more capital. It's not It's not about being artistic. Right. Yeah, she does seem to really have a love for... I mean, she doesn't... She's not at this position anymore, but at the time, she did seem to really love what she was doing. Yeah, and they kind of go right into it about the, the point of Anna decides literally everything. And we have read her book, so we knew this, but I guess seeing the visual of the level, to me, I'm, again, she's not doing anything. I'm like see, watching her and I'm like, she's not actually doing paperwork. She's not actually thinking through processes. She's saying, yes. Oh, come on. I don't see any glamour. Like, she's just saying shit. She's not like doing any of the work. She's going to shows. I'm like, what is she actually? I mean, yeah, people at that level are decision makers and schmoozers. It's just That's so their weird. Job. It's yeah. just so weird to like, yeah. I, I'm like, how is that a real job? I know. I mean... Would it work if there were a bunch of people making this? Like, does it make sense to have one person who's, like, responsible for, like, the last look or, like... No, I personally do not think so because that's just... It's valuing one person's opinion. Right. Over everybody else's. And that's not how democracy works. Yeah. I think there's more beautifulness in the world of, like, letting people have... I, but whatever we are that's the system that we have and Anna Wintour is at the very top of it so she certainly is and you get through the movie that Anna hates hates black which I do I relate to this but I'm like I wish that Anna wore more black it would be better than whatever she's fucking wearing now. whoa <laughs> <laughs> anyways Grace Connington says she'll get fired by Anna if she picked this black thing she's kind of like jesting and I was like again that's a sense of self-surveillance mm. even though she's not being watched she knows that she has to like to have for her to to get accepted into the Vogue layout she knew she had to appease Anna well and to a certain degree she also just like she just knows Anna will cut She'll just take whatever out of the shoot that she doesn't like. And you see this happen a lot through the movie where it's like Anna goes through all the rack. The editors have all the racks for the different shoots. And she'll just like, yeah, be like, not enough fur, too much black. Yeah. Whatever. And the editor at large was Andre Leon Talley, which I don't, I didn't see him work once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think he was at this point freelancing for them. Like he wasn't. Yeah, someone asked him what he did, and he was like, help Anna pick what's going in Vogue. And I was like, is that a, is that a real thing? <laughs> it was so fun to see him. <laughs> it really was. I'm like, he's a personality hire, I think, personally, just because, like, he was the most fun, besides Grace, who I liked seeing on camera, but he was definitely the most, he was giving the most of personality on the camera, on the For lens. sure. And again, he said my favorite line that was in the trailer, which is, fam and a beauty. There's a fam and a beauty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then he also said that Anna's the most powerful woman in the U.S. And he's right. I thought about that for a second, and I was just like, fortunately, 
women have fashion as their only out goal of power, really. Control. I mean, not, not unfortunately. How do I say this? Like, Anna ran media that was selling. Like, she was running, basically. She was the controller of what was going to get bought. Right. And so, which meant that she had close relationships with designers and she was influencing their collections and she was able to sway a lot of things in the in media in general. Harvey Weinstein... Etc. Etc. Exactly the celebrities aspect. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, all self surveillancing themselves and Anna. But yeah, that's why she was the most powerful woman. Is because you see how many business connections that were dependent on her relationship and having a good relationship with her. I don't get her personality. Like, she doesn't seem that good at schmoozing. Like when she's trying to be like cute and like delightful, it, her jokes are really confusing to me. Like when what what can you give an example of one? She said that you were like, I don't get it. Um, it was at a fashion show and someone was like, are you wearing fur? She's like, well, I've got some fur on my back and then kind of laughed. I was like, what does that mean? She's got some hair on her back. She was saying that she has some hair on her back. Yeah. That's so strange. That just like surprises me to come out of her mouth. Well, remember, I do remember reading in our book that she is a self-deprecate. She's got an English sense of humor. Oh, gotcha. Okay. She It's self-deprecating, you know. But I love that you would have been like, wait, what? Let me see. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think I didn't think it was terribly funny. Well, it wasn't funny. She's not funny. I don't think, not once did she make me laugh. Good dancer? Sure. <laughs> funny? <laughs> no. <laughs> there was a do more, if y'all, or do, no, do more, do more is a gossip Instagram thing if you guys have ever heard of it and they posted like celebrity sightings on Sundays and like last Sunday there was a Florence Machine and Anna Wintour like dancing listening to music and I I sent it to Hope and Hope was like look at those dance moves which is which was funny because literally Anna was just like barely moving (laughs) yeah and I famously love bringing up that she loves to dance for whatever reason exactly makes her cooler but anyway, so and Stephanie Pilato at the time was the, I don't know if he still is, I didn't do research, but he was a YSL designer. And this is the first designer you see in the movie. And he gives like a personal tour. And you again, you're seeing how much power she has over designers because she's pretty critical of Stefani's design. She's like, I see no color. Mm-hmm. There's no evening gown. Yeah, also like... She gets in the room and then some other woman comes in the room and her and Stefano do like a a kiss on the cheek and Anna's like, "Uh, can we get started? She's just like, chop, chop. Yeah. She would have already left uh, the meeting by now if this was at her building. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. A lot of comment on the lack of color. Again, throughout the movie, that was just like one of the most prevalent conversations was like, black, black. Anyways. And then there's the retailer's breakfast. And the retailer's breakfast was kind of psychotic to see. Basically, essentially, it's not like this anymore. It's also weird to see this because I'm like, what are they? What kind of conversations do they have now? But it was the CEO of Nemus Marcus, um, which is crazy to me. Just seeing a business meeting on that level kind of just blows my mind. Yeah, and they were like – were people were giving little tidbits of things they're like wait for this fall we want to promote a wardrobe of jackets i'm like what in the hell does that even mean yeah 
And again, I was thinking about Foucault, and I was, see, I don't know. I was just like, I can't believe they let. I'm sure they weren't saying all the things that they needed to say with the cameras on, you know, like in the sense of their I closed doors decisions would be considered scandalous, I think. You think so? Well, I was just also just wondering, I was thinking is like, but uh, I think so many people are so dumb, but like the reason Anna doesn't like talking about money on camera or think in in public, it's like this sense of actually showing what it's really about, which isn't the artistry. It isn't the, it isn't a sense of like fashion. It's literally about capital and, Mm -hmm. And that's purely what it's about. Right. Like seeing them go through the photos and being like, oh, we've photographed this skirt already. We photographed this piece already. It's like they're they are very much showing clothes based on what has come out on the runway that season so that they can sell it and like help the designers sell it. It's like it's it's like they're never using vintage. They're never doing DIY or like it's not about that at all it's not about being creative or like anything like that it's literally just like we are showing the pieces that have appeared on the runway for designers that we like and are like in cahoots with and this is what I'm trying to get to I'm trying to I'm still working through this okay through this brain because I'm like as a 19 year old at the time I accepted that as the be all like I was like Vogue is fashion fashion is Vogue right it's not it's not even. It's literally just a magazine to buy stuff. That's all it, it is. It's not actually saying anything. It's not giving anything. But we accepted it as nothing to question that it is fashion. Like, why? Why? And this is where I'm getting to self-surveillance and, like, understanding the broader culture. It's like we all – and we still do. We don't really talk about how Vogue isn't – and I don't know if – if no one was ever saying, hey, Vogue actually doesn't provide anything but to sell you stuff. It was just more like these people know what they're doing and they're making art and making it look cool and I don't know. And I'm trying to – it's just like a norm that I had just accepted as an individual and what I was trying to do is look wealthy, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I didn't ever read Vogue. I read Teen Vogue when I was younger. I, I mean, it's sometimes I would leave through like Vogue or Elle and I would like, I just had no attraction to the editorials. Like I just didn't, I, they just never felt wearable to me and I right. wasn't really that into fashion yet. So like, besides, like I liked clothes, but I wasn't into fashion. Right. If that makes sense. But um, you weren't into like the bourgeois of it all because it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because like I've been reading about Lee Miller, a photographer, and I want to do an episode on her soon. But she was taking photos for Vogue. She was a war correspondent during World War II. And like they were publishing story. Like they had a correspondent. They they were doing like journalism. And like I am curious like how much of that is still happening. Like what, what their journalistic presence is like these days. Oh, I've looked into it. I've opened a Vogue in the last couple of years at least. And it is straight up just advertisements in there. It's nothing. There's nothing of content. I mean, they did do that one story that we read about in her biography where someone goes to, someone went to the Middle East and did something really insensitive. Yeah, but Vogue is so thin. Do you see how big those Vogue magazines used to be? Yeah. They're so much thinner now. And I don't think they're actually doing articles within them as of recently, in the last like four or five years. 
Yeah, I do enjoy some of the ones they do like in people's homes. Like they did one at Anna Sui's house and like they did a one with the like the questions or just like they were having Anna Sui talk about her house, like her design. And then I also watched them with Japanese breakfast, the whatever that person's name is doing like outfits I would wear in these XYZ situations. Her style is so good. Wait, is this on a video though? Yeah. It's so like, yeah. yeah, it's like their online presence yeah. is like relevant, I think. Like yeah. I like their YouTube, but. I mean, they're trying to be relevant, at least. Well, like, the 17 questions is a part of that, too. Yeah. Which they did one with Anna. I, I saw. I watched it. that. What did it, What happened? Like, Anything pop out to you? What would you do if you weren't in this job? And she said she'd want to be a tennis player. Why? She loves tennis. You know, she's obsessed with Serena Williams. Her and Serena are like... She, and Serena's obsessed with her. Is it? Wasn't Serena on Vogue recently? Because she's also retiring. Day. Yes, because she was retiring, but... Do you remember how Serena was like quoted a lot in the Anna oh, uh, Wintour no, I book? I do. She was quoted a lot just being like, she's my mentor. I really appreciate her speaking very highly of her. And then she was there for her last episode, her last episode, her last um, uh, tennis match. Like her and Serena have like a well-documented friendship, at least um, mm-hmm. to some capacity. And I don't under-fucking-stand it at all. I'm like, why would Serena, you're too cool for fucking Anna. What is, like, what is this, how is this benefiting you in any way? It's really perplexing. It's benefiting Anna significantly to have this relationship, but I just don't understand what it's in it for Serena. Which, like, if you were a celebrity, what, like, old random celebrity do you think you'd be friends with? That's a good question. I literally don't know. I'll take anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whoever's asking. Yeah, you want to be my friend? Of course, as long as you're not like a creep. What about you, though? I don't know. They all seem pretty annoying. Yeah, that's the thing. Celebrities suck. Yeah. They're all narcissists in some capacity. You can't not not be. Yeah, not interested. Yeah. Uh, Okay, moving on. Okay, so Edward Cunning, Edward Cunningful, I think. Or in them full, in them full. My handwriting's mm-hmm. fucked. Edward, E N N I N F U L. What is he now? What's his job now? I'm curious. Oh, editor in chief of of British Vogue and European editorial director of Condé Nast. That's what I fucking thought, and that is why Beyonce is on the cover. So he's significant here because he's the ed- editor, like head editor ish of that time. And you see him kind of almost have a mental breakdown. And his eye for British Vogue is really a huge juxtaposition to the American Vogue. American Vogue is still kind of following much of Anna's like minimalist kind of, like when I say minimalist, it's just like very flowery, very bright, very like um, white. It's like not edgy. It's not artistic. It's it's like gardens. She loves fucking gardens. They're all like shot in gardens. Pictures of women running through the streets of New York. With a little clutch under their arm. That's her ideal, but I'm talking more about like covers too, mm-hmm. exceptionally. It's just like, um, and then Beyonce's cover, Brit- was she used British Vogue for a reason because it's more sexy, it's mm-hmm. sultry, it's got a lot more. It's just, a, it's, I don't think Vogue and think, oh, that's sexy. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Okay, thank you. I was just like wondering. And, and you kind of see that in the process. Of how they, st- how Sienna Miller's cover turns out. Yeah. It's her just like smiling on the cover. Or like, remember Kanye and Kim's cover where it's just like 
her in a wedding dress and they just it's like they're posing for a prom photo exactly exactly and yeah and grace Connington spoke on that uh the kim and kanye one and said oh i i they got rid of the best photo i thought and you see a lot of her photos just get wiped out yeah and grace brings out this shirt at this time and it's like got two pink gloves like that are like stuck. I loved it I, I knew you would I mean I thought it was really fun and so the <laughs> gloves are are like affixed onto the shirt it's you know kind of like surrealist goofy whatever and Grace is like showing it to Anna and Anna's kind of just laughing and like no and Grace is sad and then Edward is expressing he's like I want to kill myself like he's just like upset about some decision Anna had made and Grace is like coaching him on like You've got to be tougher. And this is happening while he drinks like an enormous Jamba Juice, which is like, yeah, 2009, baby. (laughs) (laughs) We were all just like lost in the sauce. He was like choking down that fucking. That's hilarious. What? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) That is so funny. Yeah, it is very 2009. I love Jamba Juice. Oh, my God. So good. You know what I... Got a huge craving for the other day was Froyo because I was in the Dallas airport and they had two pink berries within like a five minute walk. I am controversial with this opinion, but I think frozen yogurt is better than really. I do like how refreshing it is. I mean, thank you. It has its time and place. And I feel like we went so hot for it for a second and then all of them went away. And I just wish we would have. We understood that both ice cream and Froyo have a place. They can both live simultaneously and we don't have to pick one or the other. We can have them all, you know? we can. This is America, people. I just like toppings. I'm a preferred... I like to choose my own toppings. I like crunch and and the softness, soft serves. I mean, I love fruit. That's to each their own. Okay, whatever. But also we're missing out on this when that... I don't know who who that dude was where he said he was like going to provide the warmth for both him and Anna. I didn't oh, actually, yeah. The little gap... The gap tooth guy. Yeah. But he was definitely in control of like selling Vogue at some level. Yeah. And it was just like really annoying to like listen to him talk. Okay, so they basically had this huge... Like a press conference. It wasn't a pref... It was a pre-pref mm. press conference. It was to like get... He was telling his hired Vogue people... To like sell the magazine in a way that's never been done before. And he's like, he, I think, was gonna, I don't, I didn't really understand. I was like, so do these individuals go talk to more media outlets about Vogue? You know, I didn't really understand it because that's what it sounded like. Like they were like some kind of like ambassador for Vogue to, and like spoke oh, on behalf of Vogue. And he said, he was telling them like how much, the number one question that reporters ask is how much does it weigh? Which again, very 2009. Why? No one even gives a shit about magazines anymore. And no one's definitely going to ask about how much it weighs. I mean, I found it hard to believe that anyone had ever asked how much it weighed. Like, that cannot be true. I get it because it looks heavy as fuck. Right, right. And, and it's it is kind of like, what, what is that? It's like a dad question. But yeah, I, I thought the same thing. But I think it's only because it's more ads. Yeah. I also think it's that question was asking how much does it weigh as in like a spectacle thing because i think it was again during that time period right before they like cut back because we're not having those huge september issues now was this like they weren't it's almost tacky to me because it's it's anna it's anna that like the, the thickness of that september issue is is anna like they weren't in and her and showing her her need to push capital her need to her her relationships and how far and how deep and how wide they are just literally on the weight of the magazine itself yeah it's just embarrassing to me to be like 
that's what you're bragging about with your magazine is how many pages are in it? That's how I feel, but it shows off wealth. It's a, it's a status. Not every magazine could afford to be that large, but they knew that they were going to sell. So it is a status, but it's also like a brag about how profitable they were are and how, how much interest they have to the individual, mm-hmm. but also on the grand scheme. He said 13 million women were going to read that magazine. I, is that, how is that true? It's definitely not true now. It's exactly. I I don't know what the numbers are, but like this is 2009 and I was just like, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's what like the population of San Diego. I don't know why that just came to mind, but that that was a very specific. Yeah. Well, I guess just thinking of like, yeah, 13 million is a lot, but it's also like there's a shit ton of people in the US and in the world. So and there's what, like 100 people who work at Vogue. So they're all reading it. That's 100. <laughs> That's like saying to our listeners, we have to minus two every time we look at the listeners because we're re- listening. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, side note: have, Did you feel jealous that you like? Do you were you excited seeing New York Fashion Week? Like, do you wish you could go? No, I don't really care. I was thinking about that as a as a spectacle. Like, I think I would be interested to see a show like i like seeing shows i like entertainment mm-hmm. but they kind of look boring to me yeah i don't think that they're like good vibes no definitely not there's that conversation on tiktok being like mad at influencers for being able to go to the new york fashion week or whatever and you're just like why who gives a shit oh yeah they were talking about that in celebrity memoir book yeah. club like oh it used to be like oil barons kids like now it's an influencer how is that worse it's yeah, like yeah. it's always just been for rich people not for it's not like there's yeah, there's like editors in the crowd, but it's not like it's mostly artists and seamstresses and fashion icons that are there. It's just yeah, celebrities, rich people. Like it's yeah, it's rich people. It's for rich people. They go for the vibes. Just a commercial. It's just a commercial. Exactly, exactly. That is what. That's what. That's how it started. That's how these runways started. Was really literally to show to women to buy. Yeah, department stores. Like, it started as a middle-class thing. I really do think it would be fun to have a fashion show, like, a DIY fashion show where it's, like, just a fun time. It's, like, in the woods. You know, like, how Tyler, the creator, did, like, a fashion show in the woods one time. Oh, I didn't know that. It was exquisite. It looked really cool. I do like his sense of fashion. Okay, so Anna goes and talks about her career objectives. This fucking story I've heard now... I probably only once before because I read the book, but I've heard it too many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talks I'm already about, like her dad telling her when she had like a, what do I want to be when I grow up question in school? Say, say you want to edit Vogue. Say you want to be editor in chief of Vogue. And so it was she said, that. Okay, daddy. <laughs> okay, dad. Okay, dad. Okay, daddy. That was my English accent. Um, Grace as a model is kind of wild because we start we get a peek behind grace's like history and i like seeing her as a model i'm like damn i know hey she didn't look oh well because she got in a car accident well yeah i didn't actually put that together until now i was like (laughs) i was like man getting old is rough like i mean not to say she's lovely like there's nothing wrong with how she looks but she has no eyebrows and crazy hair it is a little different you know what i mean yeah. like you're not looking at that and be like glamour the the femininity that she is serving right. she doesn't really succumb to the vogue I know. aesthetic 
I know. I love it. That's why she's a fucking genius. Yeah. And I was just also thinking, oh, to work for Anna, I could see myself self-surveilling, but I could just see myself trying to get her to like me and that would be my focus versus like being able to be myself. And Grace has the opportunity to be herself because she had 20 years of experience before she even came into um, and she was already been like approved and stamped by the British Vogue world. Yeah. So she was she was modeling. She was like a full time model. Then she got in a car accident and had to get a lot of plastic surgery. And then her she- eye went into the mirror. That's what she said. She like also very casually brought that up like it was no big deal. Like just she was just like, yeah, my eye went into the mirror and I had to have a lot of plastic surgery. And you're yeah, just like, I think wow. I, I think I missed it because she was so casual, but. So then she starts working at Vogue and she was at British Vogue and uh, when Anna was there. And so when Anna got the position as editor-in-chief of, of American Vogue, she brought Grace over with her. Grace has a lot of pictures of herself in her apartment, like during her modeling days. How do you feel about people having photos of themselves in their I apartment? Mean, I mean, if I was in Vogue, I would 100% post those photos, especially in the 50-60 Vogue. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess it's no different than like putting a photo of yourself on Instagram. Or putting your uh, degree which I'm on the wall, which I do not find normal. Oh, yeah, it isn't. But I definitely have all my degrees on my wall because my mom got them framed and they're right Aww. next to my bed. So I look up to them every day and say, look, I'm smart. That's kind of sweet. Is it? My mom framed them and I was just like, what am I not? Yeah. I mean, I got to hang them up. Yeah, totally. Your mommy framed them for you. But it is it is kind of it isn't normal. But also, hey, we're self surveillancing again. What is normal? Huh? Huh? What is normal? Y'all? This is this is the philosophy class that we're taking. It's not. Anyways, I just, I'm living for this Grace and Anna back and forth. It's like uh, literally giving me life. I just love Grace's personality. I love Anna's personality. I don't love Anna's personality, but I love the just like the push and pull of each other. Mm -hmm. It's just very relatable on working, on like working friendships when you're collaborating and how you can openly disagree with somebody and agree with somebody at the same time and like argue and you just move on from the situation. Yeah. I mean, in this case, Anna just like has the power. So that's how that works. And Grace is doing a shoot that's about texture. Anna doesn't think leather is a texture or rubber. She like omits, she scraps those looks. I think she's looking because she doesn't think it's it's too smooth. But that's not how texture works. Right. You can have a smooth <laughs> texture. Which, like, if that's the case, then you could just literally put any clothes in there and it would be texture. But uh, I, I think leather counts as a texture. Exactly. Yeah. I... I mean, whatever. And Grace got mad about it, and I loved that. Yeah, so her focus, she had her first, like, her layout, Grace's layout was focused on texture for the September issue. One of them, at least, is. And I loved the shoot. Watching the shoot, I was like, oh, I could see where she grabbed that. Like, she had a big, chunky, knitted um, scarf, and I was, like, living for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I do think Grace has an eye. Genius? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what genius is. Like this is, I always hate when people use it, throw that around because I'm just like, you mean experience and a personal sense of taste that you right. find stunning. Um, but anyways, yeah, she does have an eye and I loved her texture layout. And then she also wanted to do 20s inspired lay, um, layout. It was all John Galliano. Which I, John Galliano, why are people so obsessed with him? I don't know. I didn't particularly like that shoot. I think just because it looked too costumey to me. Like, I didn't love all the headpieces and stuff. It just felt like 
I don't know. But I did love like the the photos like I they, she did like a kind of like more of a soft focus. And she was talking about how like, oh, you know, Anna didn't like the soft focus. Everyone likes things really crisp these days. Like sometimes she likes to do photos where it's like there's motion and it's like, you know, slow aperture or whatever to where like you can see the blur. But Anna doesn't like that. And oh, Anna hates anything that's, again, not shiny and, and bright. Yeah. She's not smart. I don't like I just get mad at Anna's choices. She's like, yeah, I'm decisive and proud of it. I was like, because you're you like three things and they're not even that interesting. Yeah. That's why you're so fucking decisive and you think your taste is above all else anyways. Right. It's not like she's making nuanced choices. It's like she's making the same choice every time where it's like it just has to be bright and colorful and expensive. It's like she's a five-year-old in brain. She's like round, shiny, and also that sells better. That's also something that sells better. It does because like they did a lot of research into selling to kids in particular, but like selling goods and like what colors and shape and kind of brightness levels uh, catch the eye and people gravitate towards. And it's like rounder, um, kind of shiny. Hmm. Like we're dumb animals. Definitely. So, of course, we are into that. So, anyways, and I don't know if Anna actually likes any of these things or she just knows that that's what. Right. If she's just thinking in business brain. Which makes sense. It's like, I mean, it's like on one hand, I empathize with Grace. On the other hand, I'm like, you work at a business that sells runway clothes. Like, you don't work at a art magazine. Yeah, you're right. But it was an art magazine. Was it ever? Like, Diana Vierlin? That was pure art, dude. That she was, a, she was too insane for it not to be like well but then she didn't but give then a fuck she about money got fired because and so it's like that she was she had an artistic vision but the magazine still that was never the purpose of the magazine i think it was at some point but conde nas started it i don't know anything about conde nas so I, this isn't really a good we know some stuff about conde nas a little bit right i couldn't tell you any of the names of the people that we learned no conde nas the person oh that's a person yeah dude he made he kept lee miller from getting hit by a car and that's how she got a job at Vogue. Oh, I was, when you were talking, Condé Nast stopped her in tracks. I thought just a representative from the Condé Nast. And no, it was I, literally him. I didn't know that. That's, that blew my mind that that's an actual person's name. Yeah. But, okay, then they show her at a meeting with Oscar de la Renta, who she famously hung out with on 9-11. I just remember reading that in the book, that after 9-11 happened, she, took her, she and her kids went to Oscar de la Renta's house because they're like buddies. Oh, they're like BFF. And you can kind of tell that he's got a more casual vibe with her than any of the other designers. Oh, really? At least in my opinion, he was sitting with her, talking with her. They had a little back and forth. It seems like they had a, I don't know, a level of familiarity and he wasn't um, intimidated by her sense of power. Mm, yeah, like, whereas like Yves Saint Laurent seemed like a little nervous. Or not, oh yeah, whoever, Stefano, Stefano or whatever. Yeah, he was like, I'm stressed. I'm yeah. stressed. Like he had to sell the product to her yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Or like even Jean-Paul Gaultier's little moment who I was excited to hear him talk. I was like, I did not know you had such a, a thick French accent, but. Oh, I didn't, re- I don't remember him being in there. Oh, really? Like he showed off, he was like showing to her that it's like this dress isn't finished. And then 
he was like, I wanted to like show it. Like I said something in French and I was like, yes. And he was like all these different kind of princes and you have to kind of see the layout of that. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. But yeah, it was still not as like relaxed as it was seeing it with Oscar. You could just tell there was a body language that was happening with them. And there was another scene that you see Grace talking about the budget at a meeting in front of everybody just being like, I am not okay with the budget. And then um, Anna says, uh, Claire or whatever her name, I don't know who she was saying, said the budget was fine. And then Grace was like, the budget isn't fine, okay? I just want to know. It keeps changing. And I don't want to make decisions until I know what it is because I'm interested if this is like the last hurrah, really. Because soon after that, like a few years later, she's cut from Vogue because she's too expensive. Well, and she like wasn't excited about transitioning. She just wanted to keep working in publishing the way publishing always was with like huge budgets and like not having to do internet stuff. She didn't want to change. And so, yeah. But it was funny because she comes back to the desk and she goes, I love talking about money in front of you guys talking to the documentarians because it drives her crazy. And I thought that was real funny. Totally. And it's like, yeah, it's almost like a shift in power where it's like, because, okay, so they originally wanted to do a documentary on the Met Gala, but they couldn't film at the Met. And so Anna proposed this instead. And one of the things RJ Cutler said was like, if we do this, I have to have final cut. Like this isn't going to be a respected movie if like you're choosing it, editing it whatever and so it it, like so she knows that the cameras are there and that she's not deciding what gets gets in what yeah and that's what i'm saying there's a sense of lack of control there's like a pushing to the general public not wanting them to know they're in on the secret of deciding the fact that this is this is for money like i truly think that's why she's so particular about not talking about money because she doesn't want any it's such a money game it's so capital driven and to like, it's so smoke and mirrors, like, to show that it's not even about fashion. It doesn't matter if we're selling garden tools or clothes. Like, she didn't give a fuck. She just wants to sell it. Mm-hmm. And her caring about money and telling people about money would, might be just revealing too much to the public, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point in the movie, I start to think, like, should we rob Vogue? Like, there's just racks and racks of clothing in there. More than half of them I don't like, for, like, from what I see in the movie. I mean, it's also 2009, or I guess they're filming in 2007. It's about the 2007 September issue. I thought it was 2009. That's when the movie came out, but then I read that it was about the 2007 issue. Yeah, 2007 issue. Yeah, and they do it five months before September. I'm like, do they, is it just the September issue that gets this much attention? Mm. Are they planning in months in advance every month? How, yeah, how many issues are they working on at any given time? It sounds so complicated. I did really like the thing they had. It was like the magnet board or whatever. I love that too. I was like, how do I put this in my life? I really <laughs> thought that. Yeah. I was like, That's a great way to do little layouts. It's like small. Mm-hmm. You can kind of just see from like a glance what it, you want, what you don't want. Mm-hmm. But now it makes sense on whatever Andre Leontali said, the board. Yeah, that's the board. That's the board. Yeah, and Grace talks about how her and Anna are, are stubborn. They know that the other is stubborn and that, like, she said she's gotten better at, like, dealing with Anna. Anna hasn't necessarily gotten better at dealing with her or whatever. Did she say that? Yeah, something like that. Or, like, I've learned how to, I don't know. No, she said that they both kind of, like, knew not to push each other too far, like, knew where to, how far to push. Oh, that was what it is. But then I thought she said it, but then Anna, like, me, it, I thought she said that Anna didn't, but either way, she's just talking about them being stubborn. 
She would never say that publicly. Like you don't that. think? Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, she'll she'll be mad about her shoots not getting in because she gives a shit. She'll be like blah blah blah, but like she would never be like. And it's terrible to me. Like definitely, yeah, yeah. And then you see Anna with her daughter B. They're looking through her collection of Vogue issues. Anna's wearing a Lacoste polo. It's just. It's just not making me happy. It's making me, yeah, mad. I'm, I hate when the moment B talks. I'm like, shut up, you fucking rich kid. She's like, I don't know what I'll be. She's interning at a judge's place later on. You find out, and I'm just like, she wants to be a lawyer. And she never. I was like, no way. She, she's yeah. just fucking saying that. She, I can just, I just know she doesn't have the drive or gear. She's a producer. She, she's a producer. Yeah. So right. easy. Yeah. Um. Okay. Here's my problem with rich kids saying they want to be lawyers. Like, they can get into Ivy Leagues, no problem, but you can't just easily – no money amount of money can get you into an Ivy League law school. You have to actually be fucking smart because rich people do want to hire a smart fucking a- asshole, essentially. So you can't just be a lawyer. It's not like – It's not like going into finance where you just get to go to meetings and be like a toothy grin. Exactly. And you can't buy your way into law school because they're going to ask. They're, they're, it's, there's a certain level of expectation. Mm-hmm. It helps to be rich, but you have to be smart. Mm-hmm. And, and, and smart in the way that whatever lawyers are, critical thought or whatever bullshit. Basically being a sociopath. You have to be a level of sociopath that's smart. You have to know how to manipulate the narrative. And that means you have to think a lot. And yeah, I didn't. I was like, B, shut the fuck up. I know you're... You're just a rich kid. Yeah. And then Anna's like running covers by her. And I'm like, is this real? Like, is she really asking her opinion and why? Like, I was like, yeah, because she's her kid. She said her weakness at the very end was her children. And I was like, Anna, that's not a weakness. That's called being a human. Yeah. My one weakness is that I like my kids. Um, but B had, B talked shit about fashion. She was just like, I don't get it. People take it so much seriously. There's so much more than that. And I was just like, I think that's what Anna has also told her. You think so? Yeah. Because Anna knows it's all bullshit. You think Anna thinks it's bullshit? A hundred percent. She can't not be aware. I mean, fashion is, ab- the fashion industry, let me say that. I don't think fashion, I don't think art like in, in a general sense of things, like in, in the world of like when people make beautiful things and they're wearable and they're, they're meaningful to them and to their larger culture, or whatever around them and, and or art, whatever. We can get into that discussion. I think that's important. But the fashion industry itself is a giant joke because they're producing clothes for no other reason but to sell clothes in a way right. that's just like right. you could like like reinvent the wheel a little bit, you know? Right. They're not like, oh, I just have this inspiration that I need to make this clothing and they're not like oh there's like a problem i need to solve with this garment like oh oh something that humans need they're just like this is my business so i so i make clothes and the fact that people get so like frustrated and scared about it it's it's all kind of if you just take it if you take a step back you realize how ridiculous it really is um did you listen to the celebrity memoir patreon episode where they were talking with the like influencer well, with the TikToker, um, that adult, yes. I listened to some of it. I didn't listen to all of it. I, some of it was annoying me when she kept being like, it's so stupid. Fashion is so stupid. Yeah. That's why I love it. And it's like, I just don't find that to be a very interesting statement. I don't, it's, you don't like it because it's stupid. There's a lot of things that are quote unquote stupid. I don't think fashion is stupid, but if you do, like there's a lot of things that could be in that category. That's like, why do you like it? Like, I think yeah. maybe there is a part of, 
talking about media and culture that feels frivolous. And I get that that makes it fun, but I yeah. just found that annoying. I get that. But I think we also need to be clear on what actually fashion – What that's the thing because, like, like I said, culture can't, was fashion. So I think we need to be – in my professional opinion, we need to be a little bit more descriptive about what we mean by fashion because I think she's saying fashion industry is stupid, mm, like I was saying. Yeah, like, like how much people care about all this stuff. All the pr- the producing of the fashion, right. the selling of the fashion. Yeah. It's, it is ridiculous. Yeah, the like – deciding which trends they're gonna push for the season and like it becomes like codified into law very temporarily yeah and they also spoke on capitalism and fashion and how ridiculous that is it's like because literally fashion is just capitalism at this point so when we're talking about fashion we're talking about selling fashion selling an idea of fashion right anyways um i just think there's a sense of fashion it has been so scripted into like this is why I find it important to define what we mean by fashion because it's like the fashion that we know to be fashion when we say it is so capital driven like I I know I've been repeating myself but I just like you can't say fashion without thinking capital Mm -hmm. they're very intertwined and with that going back to the panopticon it's so scripted into a narrative like fashion itself that it's trying to act like it's not selling us something mm-hmm. and it's being defined literally by Anna mm-hmm. in a way that's like that we now identify fashion as whatever we see coming off of Vogue or whatever right it's not even it's like these trends just emerged like they just floated down the river and we found them and collected them and now these are the this is what you're supposed to wear during spring rather than like we are manufacturing a sense of like urgency that you need to wear this now yeah or else you're gonna look uh, out of date irrelevant stupid ugly whatever and exactly and we as individuals don't want to be outside of our the the rest of the collective therefore we participate that is self-surveillance. That is an example of self-surveillance. Wow. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like the connection. Anyways, also something that – going back a little bit, like the CEO said, fashion is fun. Like the CEO of Nikas Marcus, when they were talking, he was like, uh, fashion is fun, but without the goods, it's nothing. And I was like, wow. I really thought about that when he was like saying that. I was just like – yeah, exactly. That was during the conversation when Anna was like, we're on the same page. Less is more. Like, they were kind of like, we can't produce all of this stuff. Like, we can't keep up or whatever. Which I was like, less is more is a good statement. But she wasn't saying less is more. It's just like, I don't know. I think they were saying that the, the, a lot of designers need to have smaller collections so that they can get to the stores faster. Why would they get to the stores Faster if the collection because when, is smaller. Because when you can make a, a one one item faster, like a bunch a bunch of times over, faster than having a bunch of stuff. Right. Um, and people ordering at a higher selection, I guess. I don't fucking understand business. I don't know what business is, but it sounds annoying and stupid. And the fact that he's just saying, like, he's complaining that designers aren't fulfilling orders, essentially. And therefore, the goods... Without goods, what's the point of even having fashion? Right, right. It's like 
yeah, you can have this fashion show, but if if it doesn't show up in my store, what's the fucking point? Exactly. And I, I feel like we gloss over that as just normal activity. And I'm like, that's because we've defined fashion as that. And it's so weird because it's like, it's almost like the stores, the stores want to present themselves as like filling a need, like they're providing you with these clothes that you need, but they're literally giving you the need for them. Like the the fashion industry exists to create the need for you to buy clothing every season. Exactly. There is, there's no sense of urgency when, truly when we think of fashion as an outside of – like post-industrial has fucked our brain up so hard. That's what we – we perceive goods as fashion. But like fashion – exist outside of that that like there is no there's no sense of urgency there is no like you hear what i'm saying i hear yeah i'm I'm right there with you (laughs) listen we're still a little hungover so i'm pretty amazed that we're coming up with words and uh, and they're coming out of our mouth and there's like somewhat making sense i'm yeah i'm I'm surprised by all of it but we got to wrap this up so they do a color blocking shoot they reshoot it that's like famous from famously, I'm saying famously to just describe things that we read about in Anna's biography yeah. as if everyone knows it, but famously Anna orders reshoots like all, all the time. It's expensive. It's, I mean, you're flying people out to location sometimes and she'll just be like, oh, do it over again. Even if there's a celebrity involved, whatever. They redo the color blocking shoot. It didn't, it wasn't like really color blocky. There wasn't a lot of color. What do you mean by that? I thought there was a lot of color. In the first one, but then I thought when they redid it, it wasn't quite as much, but whatever. That one was fine. 1920s shoot. Um, we talked about Anna's cutting photos from it. Grace is pissed. And then we get to Sienna Miller. Uh, they talk mad shit about her hair. And I thought that was hilarious. I know. It was so funny when she shows up for like the try on or whatever. And they were like, oh, we were thinking about doing like a pixie cut. And she's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, we have like we made a like a little collage of all the different hairstyles you've ever done. We think you look really good with the pixie cut. And then she leaves and they're like, yeah, her hair is so brittle. It looks so fucked. Like, yeah, they're like, it's lackluster. They literally use the word lackluster. And I was like, damn, she's going to watch this. I know, I know. And so they want her to wear a wig, which I thought was so funny. Yeah, it was. I thought the wig was serving. And then they were like, it can't work. And I was like, I kind of like it. Lean into the camp. Yeah, right. And then they just do a high pony like bun instead. Yeah, which I was like, okay, fine. Whatever. I mean, it looks good, but it's just not as fun. And yeah. they were in Rome for this shoot. Yeah, and Grace, this, where was Grace when she was looking at that garden? She was like, I was asking the same thing. I don't know. I was thinking it was Louis the Fourteenth. You think it's Versailles? I think it's Versailles. They were in Paris at that time, were they not? Or were they in Rome? I don't know. I don't know, but it was some very like formal garden. She also talks about how someone gave her the advice one time to never sleep in the car because you might see something inspiring I, out the I window. I was like, I thought of you when I, I read that. I was like, that. this is why I can never be a fashion editor. <laughs> <laughs> I just sleep through. I We drove to Oaxaca from Mexico City. I slept the entire six-hour car ride. It was just like during the day. I bet your mom drove you around to make you fall asleep or whatever. Probably. I, the one story that I that sticks in my brain about uh, Hope that Hope told me one time that made me really laugh is that she got a job as a doing research on biology and they had to go out into the field. 5 a.m. on the weekends and I was always getting drunk, so. Yeah, we it was young, cooler Hope back then. Definitely <laughs> less cool back then. <laughs> Drug-fueled uh, Hope back then. Anyways, and then uh, the woman said, just the one thing I need to do you to do, because you're working with this other woman, she would pick Hope up. Mm-hmm, the PhD student that I was like working in the research lab with. 
And the one thing she needed her to do was to stay awake. Yeah. So she wanted me to like help her stay awake on these drives. And I tried so hard, but I physically could not. You I would fall asleep. Conked out hard. Every time. She did not like me. <laughs> but I was just thinking, I was just like, even with that threat. It's like my body is more powerful than. I've been there. I've been professionally been driven around places i will fall asleep what do you mean you've been professionally driven around <laughs> you that like, is a stupid way to say it i was on jobs you mean like, as like an, an uber <laughs> yeah i've never had anybody drive me driving around i mean like an uber um what am i saying yes i've had an uber but i don't fall asleep on ubers because they're usually <laughs> short rides but like i've gone on like longer trips with adults and i was like the intern and i you would think prof- like if i wanted to be seen as professional you wouldn't fall asleep on the job but i i also fell asleep every time i got in the car it's just like too much for me oh god yeah especially if the sun is hitting a certain way Oof, yeah that hits yeah it does hit like nothing else your eyes are just like <laughs> it's like bye-bye <laughs> yeah exactly so i feel it um there's also a shoot that happens during this where they turn the cameras on them and that's grace's idea and they actually have cameramen in the shoot that was for the redoing of color blocking so they reshoot color blocking and it's in a studio this time or maybe it was before also but they invite the camera first you don't know exactly what's happening but they have the camera guy the documentary camera guy jumping and they're getting they get the shot of him in the air and then they have the model jump and they get this shot of her in the air and then you see them editing it and um so it looks like they're both jumping together and he's filming her yeah, I liked the shot. That was cool. She was like, Grace was talking about how she was annoyed with them always filming her slightly and how she wanted to turn it on them to see how it feels. And that was kind of like how she did that. Yeah, Grace famously did not enjoy being filmed. Yeah, but you didn't see that in the movie. You didn't, no. But yeah, she would like complain about them all the time being there. Understandably, I'm sure Grace is just kind of a, I relate to Grace so much through this film as a person as a person that also has opinions and personality and can't and can does not have any sense of like when you're angry you're angry you care about your stuff and you just you're like you don't care who hears what you have to say um and what tone you say it i just really i can see her being like annoyed and i mean yeah it's like they're just like around you all the time when you're like trying to do your job and stuff yeah um and then when anna sees the photo she jokes she like wants them to photoshop out his belly the cameraman's belly and he's right there filming and she says like oh he needs to go to the gym he's literally right there and grace is like she no she's like we need to make some edits i guess or you know and then she rubs her tummy but i wasn't i yeah but say what grace said grace like called someone she gets right on the phone and she calls someone and she's like do not make that edit like I don't want him to look like some slim model guy. Like that's the whole point is that it feels real. Like he's really some camera guy that you're. I loved Grace for this moment. I know. I know. She's like, do not edit out that belly. And she's like, you do not need to go to the gym. She was like. Oh, yeah. And she was just like, this is ridiculous. Like the face she had when she heard that Anna said that, I was like. Yeah. And she says like, not everyone needs to be perfect. She's like, yeah, it's it's bad enough that the models are perfect. Like not everyone in the world needs to be perfect which yeah. is just like what an interesting opinion to hold when that is your job yeah and i think that's why i like her so much just because she doesn't like like anna wants this shiny perfect version and that's why she sucks 
And Grace is so interesting and quote unquote a genius because she sees imperfectness as beauty. This makes me want to buy British Vogue. You should check out, you should just check out the British Vogue. Well, she's not involved in British Vogue. Well, yeah, but just for an alternative to, an, to American Vogue. Yeah, I mean, our boy, I mean, he's only in there for a short, a short second, but, um, and Neenful is now the editor in chief. So you can really see what he was working against and what he was showing her and why she, they kind of butt heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, because, again, her aesthetic really just is whitewashes everything. Truly. Um, one, basically the last note I have is that Andre Leontelli plays tennis with a Louis Vuitton <laughs> towel. <laughs> the whole time. The whole time. And he had his, like, tennis watch was, like, complete. I, I feel like he was barely playing tennis, too. I feel like he was just like... I know the last shot he takes it's like he looks like he wasn't even trying but he says Anna saves his life it's like because she got him to lose weight it's kind of like this was before they're falling out obviously and before he put the weight back on nothing yeah it's it was just interesting to hear him say that and really funny to watch him play tennis yeah it was super funny to watch him tennis I watched him play tennis and like all the Louis Vuitton gear and I was just like Jesus I love you Andre I love him so much But I'm also just like, God, this is also another thing. She, like, controls people's bodies. Anna controls the bodies that we see. And I really fucking hate her for it. The fat phobicness of it all, just, like, this is why we had such bad eating disorders during that time period. Literally, I blame Anna. Like, I mean, Anna's not the direct reason. There's always kind of a sense of, like, women need to be smaller and petite and there's a history to all that and she's not she's not coming making it out of nowhere but she's enforcing it and it's the multiple normal and the comments that are just made um, it's just so cringy to watch you're just like god mm-hmm. telling that guy to go to work out and him even being like i mean she's right and i'm like no you're normal you're fine like and uh, her just like saying with this little smile on her face like funny little joke i tell people they're fat yeah, and then Andre being like, yeah, she literally did tell me. And she saved my life. No, she didn't. She, you need to go to a therapist, my dude. That's where – that would have saved your fucking life. Not, I mean, and then maybe hopefully, like, getting healthy would be a factor of going to see a therapist because you know that you're worth it. And that – like, the root cause of all his trauma – there was it's because it was trauma. Like, the reason he was overeating and overconsumpting is because he – that was his reaction to – uh, how he dealt with stress and there was there's a root cause of that that he was really never dealing with and you yeah. and i don't know so just like comments like that i'm just like there's more to this don't say anna saved your life it's just like yeah also but he, it wasn't just tennis that like he, didn't he get gastric bypass at some point did he yeah <laughs> just kind of like 10 like anna saves my, saved my life now i play tennis it's like you got surgery, bro. I honestly don't think he ever liked tennis. He just knew that was like an activity that rich people could do and he looked cool doing it. I don't know. It just like the way he was playing literally looks like he had zero interest. It was it was satire of someone playing tennis to me. Yeah. And that's really funny. Anyways, and then it ended, right? Is you have anything else? Oh, fashion is about looking forward. Something that uh, Anna is known to say. And, um, and I'm like, that is not true. We use trends quote unquote like in the example is grace using the 20s themed photographer i'm like fashion is about looking back as much as it is looking forward it's reinventing the will it's reinventing old historical looks to say that it's just not about looking back at all is inaccurate and i just don't like when she says that yeah i didn't catch her saying that it it reminds me of the, uh, the quote from the new york times 
piece we covered like in one of our earlier episodes where they're like fashion is about the future. It's about like it's about optimism because it's like I think the way I interpreted it was like when you buy clothes it's about like the hope of like where you'll wear them or like what you'll do in them or like something like that. But yeah, I don't know how Anna meant it. Anna meant it again, I think in business terms. It's just like not getting bogged. Like you all, uh, she talks a lot about like, staying current. yeah, and making sure you're not getting left behind. Right. And it's just like, you gotta, you gotta kind of see where culture, quote unquote culture is shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she means by looking forward. I really truly, cause like the whole celebrity thing was touched mm-hmm. on. It's like, she did see the importance of celebrities being a valuable uh, resource to, getting more access to the media essentially but like there was a trend of like knowing that celebrities were going to be very important to the fashion world and obviously we that's that's true well and that just that like celebrity culture was increasing it was like instead of or not just celebrities but yeah like actors etc like rather than supermodels being who everyone cared about and wanted to see on vogue it became celebrities. And I think that is why celebrities became so intertwined with fashion was like because they started forming relationships with Vogue. No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, so I'm kind of like, it's the chicken or the egg kind of situation where you're just like, who real? why is it because of solely Anna of why we think celebrities to be part of fashion? I mean, that can't be, but maybe. I know. It kind of seems like it's a big part of it. Like it used to just be models. Yeah, regular rich people and models. But anywho, that's it. If you like this episode, you know, do you, what do you do? Give it, give, give us five stars on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, please follow us on Spotify or give us five stars and a rating on. A lot of people use iPod, Apple, Apple. We never talk about Apple. Yeah, you can also give us five stars there. Follow us there. You know, it's like you're about to go probably scroll on your phone or check out another podcast. You know, just just add it to the list. Yeah. Um, thank you for listening to us. And I love you, Hope. I love you. All right. See you later.